hello, hello, my gorgeous listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast, where we're here to chat about the wonderful world of sex, sexuality, and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network. And if you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, just to help us keep the mics on. Or if you like, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. You can also drop me a DM if you want to chat about the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Glow West Podcast. Today, we are chatting all about the world of porn and pandemics. And my guest today is a perfect one to talk about this. Tommy Clifford Carlos, who's also known as Mistress Tom DeFun, is a film and stage actor showing that sex and sexua- sexuality aren't antithetical to the professional world. She's worked on a number of stage shows in San Francisco, including Adrian Price's The Red Shades, where she met her wife, and Bindlestiff's Queer as Fuck 3, which she also wrote and directed for. She's also appeared on screen in Shameless and off screen as a videographer and co-editor for Copy Slut's Hooker Homecoming music video. And to round it all off, she won first princess at Miss Gappa's 2019 runway. She's currently recovering from bottom surgery, but refusing to let a little life change in surgery get in the way of her art. Tommy, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you keeping? Uh, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. You're sitting comfortably after your surgery? As comfortably as one can. Uh, it's like, you know, when you get like that cushion for piles, you have to like oh, sit yeah. on that, that kind of thing. They, yeah. They had one of those for me and I I couldn't even sit on that one. I was like, nope, I'm going to lie down and stare at the ceiling, contemplate life. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's where the, you know, being married comes in handy because you can be like, bring me things while I oh, recover yeah. comes in very handy. So, yeah, definitely. Well, well, and, and you are busy, you know, you've been in so much, um, I suppose, between mainstream Hollywood um, TV and on a lot of Crash Pad series stuff as well, which is an amazing queer porn company as well. So you you get around, um, as we say, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I tried not to stay too sedentary, I guess. Mm. I went to college for musical theater and I got training in other sorts of acting stuff. And one of the things that they always teach us is uh, if it has to do with art and it makes you happy, like you should try to do it professionally, you know, because if you can get good at it, it doesn't hurt any of your other like acting it it doesn't hurt to write or singing it doesn't hurt to direct and complements each other yeah Yeah. and I believe that sex work is 100% a part of that it's it's the same thing sometimes it just it's a different content sometimes but you still have to like learn scripts or interact with directors and producers and turn up on stage on time and all that kind of thing but yeah and and hustle as well the same part for gigs and things like 100 percent. there's it's funny I talk to a lot of my old classmates and friends about about like oh yeah I did a video on crash pad and I send them link and stuff and they're like wow it's really cool well what's the set like and I was, it, it really is just a Hollywood set but you get naked and <laughs> yeah. do st- well it's not quite a Hollywood set because <laughs> yeah they it's a bit more queer of, yeah one billion dollars <laughs> behind them but right yeah. but that's a good thing sometimes I was gonna say all of the screen etiquette that they have like all of the behind the camera on camera etiquette that they have uh like there was little to no difficulty translating my on-screen experience from training as well as professional work to this different professional work yeah (laughs) just slightly different context yeah okay well that's kind of that's handy to know for anyone who's out there thinking of following in your footsteps as well (laughs) they can get experience in different ways so yeah well it will talk to us about yeah shooting porn in a pandemic must be an interesting challenge given that we're not meant to be within two meters or however many feet that is um of each other but yet you are on screen and up close and personal and up close with people's gentles on screen (laughs) (laughs) it's it was a very interesting experience uh halfway 
I don't even, I say halfway, I feel like every instance in this pandemic is halfway through the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> but halfway through the pandemic, I got an email from Jizzly uh, uh, saying, oh, we want to shoot some videos during this pandemic. We would prefer to use people who have been on the platform before, uh, couples who are already coupled together so that there's like it's all thought out yeah, COVID don't safe need to worry about social distance and then and so we arrive on set and like every everything is clear and there's just a bed in the middle with four cameras pointed at it and the room is empty and we walk in close the door and all of a sudden this walkie-talkie in the corner of the room turns on it's like get on the bed and take off your clothes like <laughs> <laughs> slightly disembodied experience (laughs) (laughs) it was it it felt sort of surreal in a way i would imagine yeah you you have to perform as if it's completely normal what's going on and it's in my head that's what i was thinking i was like it's the same set instance. It's just the people behind the camera are a little farther away from behind the camera. They're in a different room. Um, but yeah. it's like, especially with that one, the, the, excuse me, especially the video that I shot with my wife recently during the pandemic, that that whole scene is about just having a casual sexual experience rather than needing to always go with the mistress sub format just because that is our BDSM relationship with each other. Okay. And it's definitely very surreal to just kind of have soft and nice sex with my wife on a bed being recorded by four cameras with zero like feedback on how it's looking what we're doing right what we're doing whatever <laughs> that sounds it sounds totally surreal so like because walk us through what it's like pre-pandemic on, on a porn set because imagine most people have not been on a porn set and they don't know what the the situation is there's not like you know weird guys jerking off in a corner for the whole time that's <laughs> that's just a weird stereotype um so what would it normally be like then uh the set is they have a big room and they have a bed in the middle and they have shine as well as and I feel so bad I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now but there was another camera op and they had two cameras and it's basically they kind of just circle the bed most of the time we're just naturally going through action to action sometimes there'll be a directing moment where they say, oh, can you shift a little bit this way? Can you turn out to the camera a little bit more? Can you make sure uh, if you're gonna tie the leg down, can you tie the leg in this way so that we can get a good angle? But otherwise it's just kind of having sex on a bed while two people get the best angle in lighting. (laughs) That's, it seems like that may be a little bit different to mainstream porn, which seems to be a bit more directed as in, okay, now we're going to do this and now we're going to do this. And next it's this, where you have a bit more freedom to do what you want. So is is that right? Yeah. Does that feel a bit more natural then? Oh, absolutely. I, and this is from a perspective of, uh, professional performing arts stuff is that when you have one single person who's in control of the entire artistic endeavor you can feel it you can see it in the art and I feel like that is something that you see with porn a lot because it's yes sure there are a lot of people in mainstream porn that aren't necessarily the quote-unquote best actors in the world But the fact of the matter is, is they don't really get the space to explore who they are as whatever, whoever they are. Yeah, the the storyline is kind of secondary, I think. Yeah, they they represent a character and then the director tells that character what that character needs to do. And that's that doesn't 
leave space for real people. And that is something that even, even back in high school, when I first quote unquote discovered porn, I, I could feel it. Like I was like, oh, these, there's something about this that just doesn't feel alive. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like sex. It just feels like a, a pastiche. Yeah, yeah. Kind of gone through the motions, kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it feels like a choreographed dance, honestly. It feels more like, it feels more like choreography than it feels like sex. Yeah. Because they really are like, all right, let's have five minutes of uh, under the balls doggy style. All right, let's turn her around five minutes of missionary and halfway through you start screaming oh yeah oh yeah like it doesn't it's very coordinated yeah <laughs> yeah you can almost hear the director saying all right and next scene <laughs> so you you work predominantly queer porn as opposed to mainstream porn then and and for you know organizations like crash pad series which is run by the incredible shine louise houston who you know identifies as a queer person themselves so you know they're they're walking the the walk and talking the talk you know it's not just okay this is whatever the masses will have like um, i think that's that's probably a massive difference right like there's a lot of buy-in already there yeah definitely um, when I was in college, actually, I discovered Crash Pad via um, that comic. Oh, Eric. Oh, Joy Sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Joy yeah. Sex Toy. Absolutely loved that comic. And I saw Crash Pad and I looked it up and I was like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And this was when I was in college and still what we like to say, taking my career seriously, <laughs> okay. which just meant heavily vetting all of these qualities about myself so that they're acceptable and wantable by directors and audiences and I saw this and I was like man if I ever did porn that's the place that I want to do porn with first and it just so happens that I met a girl and I started dating a girl and she did a video on crash pad and she said oh yeah we can we can totally do a video on crash pad if you want to audition for an audition uh uh, sign the form for it and I went absolutely (laughs) he jumped at the chance absolutely jumped at the chance (laughs) and being on set there you you just get the freedom to explore like none of neither of the scenes that I've done with my wife uh Blair um none of them have been scripted both of them were uh before we did the shoot uh my wife and I were talking to each other and we just discussed what we wanted to do in the scene what we wanted to explore and just with that loose premise we just dove into it does that bring its own pressure so because if you know if you're not sure what you're going to do you're not sure how the scene is going to turn out you know you're kind of going with the flow and seeing how it goes but is that a scary thing as well at least if you're being directed and going okay do this do this do this there's a a control aspect of that but you know freedom can be daunting for some people I suppose I definitely Yes, I definitely feel a lot of that fear. I have a background in improv acting. So like, it's not too, too much of a, like I'm not super in my head about having to produce a scene on camera that feels real. But I definitely, there are instances where like, it's not just me there, it's, me my scene partner the people behind the camera like you have to factor in so many different things that it's hard not to feel uh, yeah for sure was that the right choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, okay that's interesting and do you have a bit at the end where you sit down and go okay I didn't know we were going to do that but we did and let's talk about that or is it we're done the happy days move on kind of thing Oh, absolutely. The, for example, the 
yeah, the video that we were just talking about that we shot during the pandemic. Uh, like my wife, she didn't finish. And like, sure, both of us were kind of disappointed, but at the same time, like sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're having a sexual experience and no matter how much I wanted her to finish, no matter how much she wanted her to finish, just whatever factors were happening, it wasn't happening then. And it's like, that's totally fine. I unexpected, a little disappointing, but totally fine. Well, that's yeah, like it's real life, you know, it's that's like nobody has perfect sex every time. And I think that's why porn literacy is handy because it's like we don't have sex like the professionals all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, multi-orgasm and all the time and stuff. Right. Actually, one of the things that I really got interested in about um the Crashpad series was I saw um at the Berlin Porn Film Festival a, a short film from Crashpad and there was a, an, an erection that just disappeared halfway through and it was like oh do you want to finish or we'll do something else and it, they chose to do something else and I thought that was that was the first time I saw a flaccid penis or someone losing erection in porn and I was like oh yeah because like that does happen like ridiculously common but in in mainstream porn it's just like these gigantic rock hard penises for like hours on edge and I, right. I really like that realistic depiction I suppose I I actually somewhat recently had a conversation with a friend about this that they uh are coming into their uh they're, they're coming into their place as a sex worker as well I'm very proud of them they're making quite a lot of money on chatterbait which Again, it's one of those you you can't make the money until you actually do it. You know, you you are a sex worker the second you start doing sex work. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was talking to them and they were talking about how they were uh, getting fucked in the ass and they got flaccid halfway through and they were getting super in their head about it they were getting super self-conscious and they were like does this mean that I didn't like it like it felt really good and I like we finished but I got flaccid halfway through and it's like I feel like that's kind of rude because every time I see somebody getting fucked in the ass they're always like fully erect just windmilling around and I'm like well I mean have you had a lot of anal sex and they were like no this is one of the first times and I was like that's just kind of how it is sometimes your body will react how it reacts yeah, and it, it's only a body part it's like you know it, it can't be perfect you know for ages and stuff it will have literal ups and downs in this case so right yeah totally absolutely normal plus with the whole culture of trying to base sex off of what you see in porn it sort of becomes this toxic Ouroboros sort of situation where porn is made to emulate uh, or rather mainstream porn is made to emulate an extreme uh, stylized version of sex and the problem is is now people are seeing that extreme made for an audience kind of sex made for somebody jerking off kind of sex and they try to apply it to the bedroom where the only two audience members or the only number of audience members are whoever is present yeah and it's, it's like totally different. yeah it, it's like what translates well for mainstream porn like what translates well for quote-unquote jerk-off material doesn't translate well usually for the people in the actual sexual experience yeah and I think yeah the more we realize that I suppose the better <laughs> so yeah on that note talk to me about the the representation aspect you know there's a lot of diversity more so in queer porn rather than in mainstream porn and you're a trans woman which is I suppose represented quite differently in mainstream porn and well in mainstream Hollywood and everywhere else as well but um is it a place where you feel more comfortable making queer porn rather than mainstream porn because of that representation aspect oh absolutely I 
I feel like queer porn gives me the freedom to actually explore a world where I can be a star because the way things are set up right now with mainstream porn, it's like, especially after bottom surgery, let alone visible recovery, heaven forbid, uh, the fact that I have a vagina puts me out of the trans community than mainstream porn, because that's not what mainstream porn is looking for in trans girls. They're looking for trans girls with giant dicks. You know, they're looking for trans girls with giant dicks and huge boobs who look incredibly, incredibly feminine. And that's not a negative per se by itself. What's negative is when that keeps out the rest of the trans community because it's like we aren't all that we're very much not all that like yeah there's a lot more diversity and I definitely feel like uh, that translates completely to being in mainstream Hollywood as well because like I uh, in the episode season season one episode 10 of shameless just plugging myself there uh (laughs) I play a trans girl and while it's a double-edged sword because on one side it's really really good that they had a trans character and they had it played by a trans woman which is groundbreaking in itself yeah sad because it's hope but yeah <laughs> it's incredibly sad because it's like it was written my character was written like a stereotypical what you would expect from Hollywood trans woman, you know, like in the script, she was referred to as he like completely misgendered in the script. Um, They had her be super hysterical, super emotional, talking with a lot of terms. I can't remember exactly the, the phrase that I used, but it was something along the lines of he helped me find the confidence to achieve my gender something 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 and it was some strange sounding term that not once in my life have I ever heard and I'm pretty deep in the trans community like none of us say these things and I even approached the director and I was like hey I I don't want to speak out of turn or anything but uh this right here that's not what we actually call it would you prefer if I said like SRS or sex reassignment surgery like something or like bottom surgery, something, a touchstone that other trans girls can hear that and go, oh, she's a real trans girl. And the the director was like, oh no, because the audience won't know what that is. And sure, the audience doesn't know what that is because I haven't said it yet. You know, That's, that's what representation is about. It's about not just having a trans person in your show, it's having a real trans person in your show, not somebody who's hysterically flying around. Plus one of the harder parts about it, and I don't think that they did this maliciously. I think that this is 100% a byproduct of trans representation in media is I was my character Miller to add insult to injury. The story goes that I, my character was, or I was um, attacked in the showers by eight other cadets. And the main character who stepped in, um, who, may I say, wonderful person. Everybody, everybody on set, absolutely fantastic. Everybody treated me wonderfully. Everybody saw me and respected it. It's a it's a much deeper problem. Uh, but my character Miller was attacked by pe- uh, other cadets in the showers for being a trans girl. And it's delegated only to a, some sort of expository, almost written in a comedic way, little blurb from me. And after I exit off screen in a hysterical <laughs> sort of way, 
the next line from the character is uh you mean he was trying to become a girl i thought trans meant transfer i really staked my whole whatever on some dude it it, it, it that's not the exact line but it yeah. was to that effect that's and it's like good. yeah it's like you took your trans representation and you just shoved it in the dirt immediately yeah. like you didn't give it a chance to get off the ground no and, and considering like that there's high rates of violence towards trans people anyway it just feels like there is no trans joy in in, in your experience you know it's it, just a negative one exactly it's like it, it it's one of those things of I'm very proud that I was able to get that because it's like that's it's a huge deal it's a huge role and you know it it was on Netflix and I have friends texting me and being like, oh, Tommy, I saw you. But on the other hand, I'm sort of ashamed of it because it's like I had to and I tried to humanize her as much as possible, but I had to play a stereotype. Yeah. And I had to. Or rather, I have to every time I see that clip watch myself be misgendered and dehumanized not only by the other characters and the setup and editing but also just by myself by the writing and it's yeah. it's why the it's why the issue of trans representation in all of hollywood is important because you, it, it's not just one factor that goes into this, you know? An actor doesn't make a show. Yeah. A director doesn't make a show. A producer doesn't make a show. It's literally everybody in the credits was required to make a show. Like, you take one name out of those credits and you would get a completely different, like, completely different. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, there's, there's a long way to go with things. But I think, you know, you, you said I saw your clip on, on Crashpad when you're talking about um, just being visible. And what is that for you to contribute to a positive representation on your terms instead of like that sounds like an awful negative experience in mainstream films that you had there but you all your other work then you know you seemed quite emotional in the clip that I saw when you were talking about what it meant to, to contribute to representation that was positive. One of the difficult problems that is still quite pertinent in the trans community is the obsession with wanting to pass and it's because a number of reasons, honestly, but a big part of it is wanting to earn the respect of the cis community, you know, wanting to play along with the rules so that we can fit back into society when what should be happening is we are who we are and we will be regardless of what other people's opinions are so the change doesn't need to come from us the change needs to come from elsewhere mm -hmm. and i feel like good representation of trans folk isn't somebody who good representation of trans folk shouldn't focus on finding trans folk who pass within cis society or society if you'd like uh it's finding trans folk who are able to survive and thrive in cis society in spite of everything being thrown at them absolutely yeah absolutely and and being visible like that and being your true self I think is obviously going to play a huge part in that and like depictions of queer joy and queer sex that aren't mediated I suppose through 
you know, assist assist man's direct camera direction, you know, for for a cis male audience. I mean, that that's going to be obviously very different to the authentic self that you're putting forward on on when you're making queer porn. And, you know, I know. I, I am really uncomfortable, you know, talking about the gentle aspect and the bottom surgery, but that's what we, we said we'd talk about. But <laughs> the idea, because that's that's like an awful thing to be like, hey, you're a trans person, talk about your gentles, which is like, please, that's please feel okay. free. Uh, please feel free. It is a subject that I yeah. have said and want to talk about. Okay, okay, perfect. But that's, I suppose, a no for listeners to just not usually yes, yes, talk yes, yes. about this. This is don't, not a thing. Don't, uh, don't go up to a trans girl and be like how's your penis inversion oh my god (laughs) oh ridiculous yeah do not do that but but you were saying in your clip it was really nice to um you know um being that that source of validation for other trans people who may have had bottom surgery which is you know it's a complicated process for for many reasons and stuff so talk to me about that aspect of things why you would feel that that that's important for you to to do uh, I know for a fact that it's important for me to do because it's something that I'm self-conscious about. It's something that I was dreading up until the shooting of the actual scene because uh, March 2nd, I had a second surgery to fix some stuff that had grown incorrectly and get rid of some extra skin. But that was after I shot the scene. So when I was in there, like there was all sorts of scar tissue on the inside of my vagina. Uh, the labia right at the bottom in front of the entrance had healed closed. So I wasn't able to get like a good angle into the hole. Like it had healed closed enough that when I peed, it would like end up going in that little skin flap rather than into the toilet. So I had to like, crab dance over the toilet to (laughs) get everything out and it's like all of these things it's one of those things that I can't say I didn't expect it but at the same time because of the way that the trans surgical experience is represented in media I 100% wasn't expecting this like I had my first surgery July 2nd last year and I've still in recovery right now like I have post-surgery stuff that I need to go to after this and it's like I didn't get any of that from and excuse me for these being my only two examples but they're the only two examples that really stuck in my head from childhood but I watched an episode of Family Guy as a kid where Quagmire's uh, mother who was a Mab, uh, finally got her surgery done. Oh, that's right. And, I remember that. And it's literally, you have this woman who's closeted in like full Navy regalia, very masculine looking, sharp features and everything like that, short hair. Uh, and then she comes out to her son, tells her, tells him that she's a woman and she's getting the surgery next day she gets the surgery and literally walks out of the surgical room in a dress with long flowing blonde hair like oh look everything's done and she's got makeup on like no I spent I spent the first four days after the surgery in the hospital just like literally screaming (laughs) because Aside from the surgery stuff, I also discovered that I'm allergic to ox, uh, oxycodone. Oh, uh, that's not when you want to discover that. No. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, nobody knew that, including myself. So I was just kind of in this delirious state. My insides felt like they were melting. And I was like, this isn't what it was like on Transamerica. Like, it, in that one... a she has a scene where she's recovering in the hospital. She hugs her therapist. She starts crying. And the next scene, she's in a bathtub. I didn't get to get into a bathtub for the first like five or six months. 
Okay, so very different reality to what we're seeing on screen. Right. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things of, I get where they are coming from, because they are coming from a logistics standpoint. When you are telling a story, you cut out the quote unquote fat, you cut out the things that take up time because you have a set amount of time that you have for this episode, for this film, etc. But something that isn't well known to the audience, in my opinion, can't be considered fat. You know, you can't have a movie or a TV show that tackles the trans experience nowadays without showing just how extraneous and long the recovery process is and how emotionally as well as physically demanding it is because people don't know that even trans folk yeah yeah if you see it just on tv like that you're like oh this is easy i'll be on my feet in no time and then you're showing the absolute opposite of that yeah that's really Uh, important had 2020 not happened uh like with quarantine and covid and everything i was expecting to get the surgery done may and then be on my feet by july to do a show where i was singing and dancing because the recovery period that they gave was like three to six months and i was like yeah i believe i could be on the high end of that and it's like no it's not like that it's very very different yeah well and and then talk me through them making porn with a whole new a whole new body to get used to I mean that's you know for some people we can be very shy about our genitalia and everything else and you're on screen <laughs> with your genitalia up up there and um literally right in front of of the camera so what's that like as an experience then after a long recovery time and stuff as well it's it's definitely a trip <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd say because it's it's one of those things of things down there are still quite painful for me so I haven't fully gotten to discover and explore what does or doesn't feel good with myself let alone with my wife so I had that in the back of my head the entire time I was shooting this last scene that I shot because I was like god I feel like all of them can tell that like that didn't quite feel as good as it actually did. Or I, I, I don't know if they can tell that during this moment I was actually in pain rather than having pleasure. And it's like, uh, for me, before bottom surgery, the technique for porn was focus on what feels good first. Focus on having good sex and then focus on turning out to the camera. You know, making sure that I'm not blocking Blair's light. Like, I I feel like one of the first hurdles that a lot of people have with porn is trying to look good on camera. Uh, from uh, From a screen actor's perspective, I can say the first thing that you need to worry about is acting not acting on camera just being a human person on camera who doesn't feel the camera in the room with them then worry about the cameras yeah that that sounds like good advice like trying to be natural and stuff and well well, you were shooting in a room where there were cameras but there were no other humans so that's that's (laughs) in a whole other level to to your journey also did that make any kind of difference oh 100 percent especially since the they they had four cameras nobody was there and the four cameras were set up on each corner of the bed so that you you could get multiple angles you can get multiple whatever but that meant that in my actor brain i was juggling four different camera angles making sure that at least one or two of them were getting a good angle of whatever we were doing at that moment which is also difficult because I'm also in my head about like uh this hurts too much we need to stop or uh let's try a different angle let's grab the vibrator because the vibrator is for sure will get me feeling good like 
Okay, that's that's a lot to try and navigate and, and, and manage. Like that's a lot of work involved rather than just, you know, having sex. <laughs> like sex is a lot of work. Sex work is work. So this is right. one other aspect to it. So yeah. And then like bringing the, the vibrators in, like did that increase the pain aspect? Because you're saying that, you know, some bits were really sore, but then like... I don't, I don't, I'm just thinking of you being in pain and I'm like, no, I don't want you to be in pain. We need to be having a good time. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, The, we have, the vibrator wand actually is quite nice. The, there's still a considerable amount of swelling. And if I place the vibrator wand, like on the skin above where the clitoris is, like that feels quite nice and what was happening in the scene was I had that placed like that and uh one part of the vibrator wand was up against the clitoris area and the other part was up against the base of Blair's cock and like that's kind of what was happening in that moment and on one hand yes it definitely hurt but it's one of those things of when you wake up from bottom surgery, everything hurts a lot, a lot, a lot. And it continues to hurt for the entire recovery process, but it hurts less considerably over time. Like after a few days, after a few weeks, after a month, you already start to feel less pain and it makes you Yes, it hurts to do sexual stuff now, but it hurt a lot more before. So yeah, you're on the home straight, hopefully soon. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you film with your wife. Like, what is that like? Does it, you know, are you coming home afterwards and going, oh, that was really hot? Or is it like, oh, it's just another day in the office? Or like, does it make you closer? Or what what is the reality of that like? It's it definitely makes us closer. Uh we are very dorky and cute and nerdy together. And I think both times that we recorded this, we got, oh no, the first time we got sushi afterwards. Very, very expensive, but very, very good sushi. Uh, And then the second time we got Mexican food afterwards, like directly afterwards, because you finish the scene you get out you get in the car and you're talking about it and you're like oh yeah that was really great I loved this oh I wish this happened oh did you think this and no no you were great you were great um and then you're hungry (laughs) yeah well you've worked up an appetite so yeah exactly why not and it it's one of those things of a part of the normalization of sex work is it is work it's fun work and it's feels great uh but it's also you know it's another activity that I do with my wife the same as playing video games or music doing music yeah just an average everyday thing for yourself and which is yeah that's fine that's great so so going forward then are you planning more porn are you going to expand out to to different partners on on screen or are you going to stick with your wife I definitely want to do more porn uh I actually plan on setting up some sort of like chatterbait or OnlyFans type deal after I get a bit more comfortable in my body, after I'm, you know, not hovering in my parents' house anymore and I'm back at my uh, little apartment with my wife. Uh, And I do want to branch out with other partners as well. Like it, the fact that I've only done two videos and both of them were with my wife is well partially because I just love having sex with my wife but also because that was just how the situation played out but I 
am definitely looking forward to and seeking to, you know, just discover who I am as a sex worker. Sounds fab. That sounds like it's going to be quite the adventure going forward. So yeah, and and while you're doing that, you you are also carving a path for others and creating that visibility. So it's kind of a, a double whammy of awesomeness as, as you're going forward. Totally. I also, you know, with sex work in society nowadays, as as we do live in a society, uh, I. I definitely have the fear in the back of my head of the second my professional life in sex work becomes connected mentally to my professional life in theater and state and on screen. I literally have no idea how that's going to interact with each other. Like, this could be this could be the start of a revolution or it could be me getting blacklisted for the rest of my life or it could literally be nothing. And it's like, I'm sort of sitting in this middle ground of, I hope sex work is normal enough for Hollywood by the time Hollywood catches winds that I'm also doing porn and I am not, uh, I'm not, ashamed of it and I am not seeking to stop doing it anytime soon because that's another thing that I find a lot uh, with Hollywood and uh, you see it so much every time somebody's nudes are leaked or something like that that immediately they have to apologize for it and it's like what did they do they did nothing they literally did nothing somebody hacked into their whatever and leaked without their permission photos that they took who cares that they took those photos like everybody takes nudes nobody you who have not taken a nude cast the first stone like you're only shaming them because that's what we're used to we're used to shaming people for being sexual beings we're used to shaming people for that when it's like no we're human sexuality is a part of being human and people can people can express or not express that sexuality however they damn choose to as long as it's you know with consenting parties and all that Absolutely. And the, the people hacking do not have the understanding of consent that we would like to to see in that kind of context. But exactly. um, I, I, I do hope that your options going forward, it, it will be along the revolution side or at least the, yes. the nothing side that it's no big deal. And that's kind of where we're going forward. I would love. And listen, I I don't care if. Uh, I'm remembered or not in the annals of history but if I if I knew that I was even a part of making sex work a normal thing here like that's huge for me especially making sex work normal for uh, for performers of other merit because there is the hugest stigma against sex work, especially in stage and screen. I had a teacher, obviously not going to say any names, but like absolutely fantastic at what he did. Absolutely, if not the best at what he did at that school. And that was saying something because that school was full of people who... Uh, all of the teachers are professionals who actually work on Broadway and screen. And the only thing people would talk, not the only thing people would talk about, but the thing people would always bring up is like, oh, did you hear that he shot a porno once? And it was like, this was the theme and people would like do quotes from the porno. And it's like, so fucking what? You know, like regardless of the reason that he had to film it, 
regardless of anything that he had to film it, whether it was a one-time thing because he needed money or whether it was because he just wanted to explore himself, whether it's because he actually does sex work and wants to continue exploring sex work, it doesn't matter that much. Why should he feel bad about it? Absolutely. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And look, it's just other ways of existing in the world and moving to the world and changing things. And I definitely see, Tommy, you're, you are going to be changing things along your oh. path through through the world of queer porn, um, which is fantastic. So where can people find you if they want to follow along with your adventures as, as you're going to be having them? Uh, <laughs> I'm... I'm very passionate and incredibly disorganized. So if people <laughs> if people look up Tom DeFun on most services, you can probably find me like, like on Instagram. Uh, I have a Twitter that I don't really use. Uh, I have a YouTube account that I'm actually planning on posting some stuff on. So that might be exciting. Uh, but I'm very, it, following my artistic, uh, path is sort of like following a madman scribbling notes in a notebook and ripping them out behind them. <laughs> okay. So it's, it'll be a little bit of an interesting journey following you along and, uh, frequent or infrequent updates to go along yeah. with that as well. So, I, uh, Tom to fun before it was my porn name was my video game handle so okay <laughs> I mean yeah you're consistent there you go <laughs> so that's fine and uh, listen thanks Emil for for the chat today you know it's really interesting to see um as, as a newbie to porn you know what what your journey has been so far and especially during a pandemic because that's not normal times um for recording and and everything else so yeah I wish you all the luck in your adventures and and come back to us maybe in a year or two when you're like fully seasoned and like oh here's all the porn I've shot over the past two years and we'll chat about that aspect of things then so but um brilliant listen thanks Emil Tom for um joining in thanks Mil to all the listeners um as we said the top of the air if you want to support it's um patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack if you want to drop us a line it's um on Twitter and Instagram it's glow west podcast and I will chat to you next week